Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode 9 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. You know, another day of that quarantine life, you know, let's just get things started. Let's just get right into it. Five big topics of the day. First one I want to get to, obviously, biggest news in the sporting world thus far during this coronavirus uh, on this day, April 30th, 2020, has got to be the NFL draft. And, you know, I, there's a lot to dissect from the NFL draft, but, you know, we're, I'm just going to talk about the five biggest moments of the draft or the five, you know, biggest surprises or biggest storylines or, you know, I think the five most interesting things that ha- happened in the draft. So first thing, obviously, Joe Burrow getting drafted number one overall has got to be the big moment. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Past three years, Heisman Trophy winner drafted number one overall. Started with Baker, then Kyler, and now Joe Burrow. And uh, still a little, um, little surprising that that's been the case because usually Heisman Trophy winners – haven't always had great NFL success, but clearly, you know, that's not how the scouts are seen it the past few years. And uh, Joe Burrow deservably deserves to go number one. <laughs> deservably deserves to go number one. Yeah, I'll say it again for those in the back. The guy was an absolute killer. He did incredible things last year at LSU. Had You could debate it's the greatest college football season of all time by a team. Uh, what they did, they steamrolled everyone. And no game was close. No game was close. He was absolutely dominant. 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns, six interceptions. Huh? Percentage, completion percentage of 76.3. What? In 15 games. Hoo-wee. You could debate that's the greatest college football season by a player of all time. He, this kid deserved to be drafted number one overall. And it's funny, he goes to a school that is not known for quarterbacks. LSU, when was the last time they had a good quarterback? Uh, I, I don't even recall. Joe Burrow has really been the only one. And those stats are video game numbers. That's what you were hoping your guy would put up in NCAA football each year. RIP to that video game. But my goodness... Joe Burrow definitely deserved to be the number one overall pick. I think he'll be a solid starter in the NFL. You know, got he's got a tough organization to get through in those Bengals, but you know the kid's got all the talent in the world. I don't know why people aren't. You know, it's not necessarily a sell because we've seen busts in the world, but you know he's got to come in and he's got to prove it. He's got a lot of haters, a lot of people talking against him right now, but a lot of people singing his praises. So I'm excited to see him play. You know, the Bengals are a bad organization, but maybe he can turn things around. He's won at every level, so you got to believe in him. You know, he went to Ohio State. There's a reason he was a five-star recruit, transferred to LSU, won them the national championship last year, 15 and 0. Like I said, the stats speak for themselves. He was an absolute killer in college. So let's see if he can get it done. That's the first big thing of the NFL draft that I think happened. Second big thing that we got to talk about. What are these Green Bay Packers thinking? I mean, I just don't understand it. You're one game away from the Super Bowl. I know they got trounced. 
by the San Francisco 49ers in that game. But you got to think, your team was 13-3, and and you make it one game away from the Super Bowl. What should we do? Should we maybe add a defensive player, you know, help out, you know, our secondary, maybe draft a linebacker, maybe get some more quarterback pressure, or maybe we go offensive side of the ball. You know, we draft a wide receiver and a loaded draft class with athletes and receivers everywhere. Or, you know, maybe we could add a bat, another running back. Um, you know, a couple different options they could have gone. Maybe add to the offensive line, you know, protect the quarterback. No. What they decided to do was draft um, what I consider a no-name in Jordan Love but trading up to get it nonetheless they traded up traded up to get this they were the 30th pick and they traded up to 26 to draft Jordan Love out of Utah State now I've seen some of his highlights and he can definitely bomb the ball down the field kid's got a cannon absolute cannon but if you're you know competing D1 I would certainly hope that you can throw the football a long way. There's a reason you're playing D1 basketball, basketball, football, that is. But my goodness, like, what a terrible draft pick. I know, he, I, just don't, I just don't understand this at all. One game away from, from the Super Bowl. Why not add to help Rodgers? Why not build Rodgers up? I know Rodgers is turning 36, or turning 37 in next January. But my goodness, like the guy is still in his prime, still getting it done. People can say he had a down year. Mm -hmm. New offense, new system, getting comfortable in it, didn't try to do too much, and yet he still threw 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. Why would you not try to help this guy out while he's in the prime of his career? Why would you plan? I understand planning for the future. It's important to plan for the future, but you're in a win-now mode. You need to do whatever you can to make up ground on the Chiefs, the 49ers. I would even consider the Ravens better than them. It's it's a top-heavy league. The good teams at the top are really good, and you need to elevate yourself. And frankly, teams have now gained ground on them. You could say Seattle's in a better position than them. Cowboys are in a better position than them. I even look at the Bucks as maybe being a better situation than what Green Bay has going for them right now. The Saints. I just, I really just can't wrap my head around this pick. I'm a Bears fan, and I am still in shock that an organization would decide to pick a backup quarterback who's not going to see the field for at least three years, maybe even four, depending on how long Rodgers and the Packers stay together. But this is the imminent divorce of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He's got to be fed up. And I know I heard a story that he reached out to Jordan Love on draft night congratulating him and welcoming him into the organization. And that's because I think Rodgers has, you know, become a little more self-aware and, you know, is going to do the the right thing publicly. But he's got to be ticked. How can you not be ticked of trying to add offensive weapons? You know, go get a tight end. Go get a receiver. Do something. But no, they decide to draft a backup quarterback. It's just really baffling. It's definitely the most baffling thing of the draft. Absolutely. It's just, wow, Packers, awful pick. Hopefully that makes them worse and the Bears better, but I don't think that's going to be the case because Jordan Love's not going to see the field, and Aaron Rodgers still destroys the Bears. So moving on, third biggest thing that I think happened in the NFL draft. Got to be Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. Now i got to say there's a difference between insurance plans 
and planning for the future. This is an insurance plan. Carson Wentz is absolutely the franchise quarterback for the Eagles. That, that's not the debate. That, that, that should not be in question. That should not be that the Eagles are looking to Hurts now and for him to take the job from Wentz. Absolutely not. When Wentz is on the field, he's a top-ten quarterback. He's a beast. He just gets injured a lot. And frankly, they've, the Eagles have shown they can win with a backup. If he knows the system, plays within the game plan that they, Doug Peterson sends out there, that quarterback can win a Super Bowl. Nick Foles proved that. Nick Foles, of all people, proved that. And Jalen Hurts, from what he's he's shown that he can improve his game and get better, and he showed that by from transferring from Alabama to Oklahoma, being in the Heisman race, putting up the gaudy numbers that he did, you know, 5,000 all-purpose yards, 52 touchdowns. You know, if Joe Burrow didn't have the incredible year he had, we could be talking about back-to-back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners out of Oklahoma. He'd put up sick numbers as well. And the Eagles got him with the 53rd pick, and maybe you could say that's a little high, but I like the insurance plan. You know, Wentz gets hurt a lot, and that that kills the Eagles. When he when Wentz is on the field, they're a playoff team. When he's not, they're not good. They're not good at this point. So I like the pick. I don't know why people are so disgusted by this one, because I think it's good. I think Wentz needs a backup. He's the for sure starter, and I'm sure the Eagles got on the phone with Jalen Hurts and were like, hey, we want you. Wentz is, Wentz is our guy, but Wentz, you know, misses the field a decent amount, and we've shown we can take a backup and go the distance. We're still a contender. We can still put ourselves in the position with the right guy, and we think you're that guy. I'm sure that was the sale that they made to him, and I think Hurts is going to buy in. I think Hurts... He knows he's not going to be the starter right away. So I think it's a good thing. I think this is a smart decision by the Eagles and uh, definitely not a head-scratcher like the Packers. This is definitely a good move for a team that did make the playoffs. And sure enough, what happened to Wentz? Got hurt in the playoff game. That's unfortunate. Injuries are part of the game. But you can take steps to limit the situation of that going from from bad to awful. It hurts, can come in and be solid. In my As a rookie, we'll see because the game's going to speed up. It's going to be tougher, but I think Wentz will have a good, strong year coming up, and uh, hopefully he doesn't get hurt too much, but good insurance plan. Good insurance plan by the Eagles for sure. And then the next thing that I want to get to, the fourth topic as far as the NFL draft, i got to tip my tap cap to the Dallas Cowboys. I got to say, I don't give him a lot of credit because I'm not a big fan of what Jerry does and how control he is of that organization, but that remains to be seen. Another topic for another day. But they did smart things. They got a great wide receiver in C.D. Lamb in the first round. Then they drafted a cornerback to help out that backfield in Trayvon Diggs and then a defensive lineman in Gallimore. And then they drafted a center. I'm not even going to try and butcher Tyler's last name. And then they got another edge rusher, Bradley. I'm not going to butcher his last name. And they, you know, they they saw that they lost pieces on the defensive and offensive line side. What do they do? They replace those positions. Then they add a weapon. The C.D. Lamb is the big thing. They finally went smart and drafted a wide receiver. And now uh, Dak has no excuses. 
this offense better be high octane and bring a lot of firepower. McCarthy, you better show that you learned something being away from the game because now you have no excuse. You got Zeke, you got Cooper, you got Lamb, you got Gallup. Dak is supposedly a great quarterback. Someone put the pieces together and tell me this team is not going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, yeah, I just, I got to see it to believe it. Because I always see the Cowboys underachieving, not being as good as they should be. And a lot of that falls on Dak. I know Dak is, you know, he's ha- he's been a winning quarterback since he's come into the league. But he never shows up in the playoffs. He has one playoff win. But now, now there's no excuse for the Cowboys. They should be top of the NFC. With that kind of offense, Zeke's the best running back in the league. You know, him or McCaffrey, who do you want? Those are the two best right there. And with Lamb, Cooper on the outside, oh boy. Oh boy. Defensive backs are going to have their hands full. And he's going to wear 88, so that's cool. You know, Des Bryant, Michael Irving wore those numbers. You know, it's a... Big shoes to fill, but I think Lamb is an absolute beast. I think it's definitely one of the I think it's one of the best picks of the draft by far. He's an absolute monster. He was one of the top three receiving receivers in the draft. Deservably so. It's uh, you know, Cowboys, you did something right. Good job. Good job, Jerry. Now let's get it done on the field. Because I'm I'm not a believer. I haven't been a believer yet in the Cowboys because in my lifetime of these 27 years I've been on the planet, I've never seen the Cowboys be good. I don't know what good looks like. I see good being Tony Romo winning one playoff game, and I see good being Dak winning one playoff game. Can you get past the divisional round? And that remains to be seen. But actually did something good in the draft, so you got to like where they're going. Fifth thing of the NFL draft. I got to talk about the incompetence of my of the team I should support, the Chicago Bears. They drafted a tight end. Now I'm a big Notre Dame fan. So I actually like to pick. You know, I'm a big fan of him as a player, but what are they doing? They didn't have a first round pick. I get that. Yep. Traded it for Mac. That's a good decision there. But what are you going to do with the other draft picks? We're going to draft another tight end. With the 43rd overall pick. And this guy, I like him. I like Cole. He's good. You know, caught 43 passes, six touchdowns, only year as a starter. Ranked top eight tight end. You know, he's a good tight end prospect, but why are the Bears drafting him? They need help on that offensive line. They need help in the defensive backfield. They got pass rushers. I, ju- I just cannot understand why they're drafting another tight end. This, he's like the 10th tight end on our roster. They just signed Jimmy Graham this offseason. I, I just do not understand what they're doing. Maybe they're going to go Belichick style. Two tight end set, but I, I, just, I just don't understand. I really don't understand what pace and uh, I, I, I just can't fathom it. I don't know what they're doing, you know. General Manager Ryan Pace called Kemp a classic Y tight end, meaning that he will see considerable time lining up on the line of scrimmage. Boy, that's great. Isn't that just great? You know, yeah, he's going to be a good complimentary piece to Jimmy Graham. I I really just don't get it. 
I really just do not understand the pick. The Bears need help in the defensive backfield. Get a defensive back. Draft something of need. We have tight ends. Frankly, we got like seven on the roster. It's just, come on, Bears. What are you doing? And uh, frankly, I've wanted them to sign Cam Newton. But, you know, they traded for Nick Foles. And it's very odd when you think about it. So Andy Dalton today got released by the Bengals. And Cam Newton was released a while back for uh, as Teddy Bridgewater replaced him. So Cam's a free agent and has been for a while. Yet the Bears, when it comes in to bringing in a new quarterback, are going to trade a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles and take on all of that money. Like, you can get guys in free agency. You don't need to give up draft picks for these guys. It... I understand that Foles knows Nagy's system. I get that's the praise of him, and I expect Foles to be the starter when the season comes, but I don't think it's close. I think Dalton is way better than Foles. I for sure think Cam Newton is better than both of those guys too, and Trubisky is bottom four of all four of those guys. So I certainly don't expect Trubisky to be the starter, but... I don't believe in Nick Foles, and I don't believe in us drafting in another tight end. Just the Bears just keep just nosediving into the ground after this Mack trade. It just looked like such a steal that they got Khalil Mack, and the Bears are ruining him in his prime. Lowest sack numbers since his rookie year. Now, I understand the offensives are going to focus on him because he's such a beast, but we're wasting his prime. The Bears were in prime position to do damage, and because of lack of competency with the quarterback situation and the offense as a whole is holding the Bears back, and it's disgraceful. It's embarrassing. They should be one of the best teams in the league had they known what quarterback they should have, and they don't. They're still trying to experiment with Trubisky. They're now going to bring in Foles. It's just mm. disappointed in you, Bears disappointed and I'm expecting a disappointing season coming up so hmm, that's going to be fun anyways moving on from the NFL draft we're going to move into topic number two and that would be the man who's doing a lot of talking of recently Mr. Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors he certainly had a lot to say he's appeared on the All Smoke podcast which I'm a big fan of very good podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson it's a very good list, and I'd recommend checking it out because they're always they're going to go, they're going to talk about it, they're going to be real about it. You know, it's great. Anyways, forget the free plug for them as no one listens to me. But anyways, Draymond has been saying a lot, a lot about Durant, a lot about Charles Barkley, a lot about Steph. Yeah, as far as the Durant stuff, you know, he said Kevin Durant's his brother. He considered Durant the best player in the league after the 27, uh, 2018 finals. I don't agree with that because the Warriors were by far a better team than the Cavs in both of those finals when Kevin Durant joined the team. So I don't even think it's fair to compare. I don't think it's a fair comparison. And I think LeBron is still head and shoulders. Replace Braun with Durant on that Warriors team. Oh, I don't think that Warriors team is losing a game in the playoffs. If LeBron gets to play with the two greatest shooters of all time, you're in trouble. 
you're in trouble. But anyways, like I said, you know, Durant was getting his praises all around from Draymond Green, and Green said he would have been, if he if Durant wanted to stay with the Warriors, he would have been traded. And now he's 100% correct about that. 100% correct. But I don't think Durant wanted to stay because I think Durant was getting tired. He's talked about it before himself of saying he does, you know, Steph doesn't get any of the blame. Clay's treated differently. And I think that's based off the decision that Durant made. But Green was singing his praises, saying that he would have left the team and would have understand had Kevin wanted to stay. But Kevin didn't want to stay. And then I don't know what Green is thinking with some of these. He was talking trash about Barkley, how Barkley's jealous. And I don't think there's any jealousy when it comes to Charles Barkley and Draymond Green because Barkley fired right back at Green. He said that he <laughs> he's the worst member of a boy band who ta- you know who thinks he's Justin Timberlake just because he stands next to Justin Timberlake. And I got I'll give this to Draymond Green. He was needed for the Warriors to go on their run. I think they got very lucky in 2015 that Kyrie Irving got hurt because I think the Cavs win that finals if Kyrie is healthy. You know, then they lose in 2016, and then Kevin Durant happens to join the team. Now, Draymond was a huge part of their success, and I really don't want to take that away from Draymond. But I got to tell you, he's very lucky that he got drafted to play along the two greatest shooters in NBA history. Because if he gets drafted by another organization like the Suns or the Hornets or the Pistons, I don't think we ever hear from Draymond Green again. And I don't mean that by any disrespect, because obviously he's in the NBA. He's got talent. But this is his year. This was his year to show his worth, to show his true capability of what he can do by himself. You know, Durant left. Clay was out the full year. Unfortunately, Steph got hurt like he was Draymond's team and I know there weren't a lot of pieces around him but he can at least you know if he's supposedly one of the best players in the league he should be able to will his team to I don't know at least 30 wins if they actually played a full season you know they shouldn't they shouldn't be the worst team in the league but because he compared himself to Michael Jordan he said Michael Jordan never won without Scottie Pippen and I like to hold that against Jordan too that he only made the playoffs with a 30-win team, but there were also less teams, and Jordan was at least putting up gaudy numbers, and that team was awful, and if they didn't have Jordan, they would have been way worse, whereas Draymond, you're averaging a triple single. You're averaging like six, eight, and six. Like, you're, you are not doing anything to even put yourself in the same breath as Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan, because Barkley... He carried his team to the finals when he was by himself. You, by yourself, are the, have the worst team in the league. You're the leader. And I know he's been out a little bit with injuries, but Green, come on. You're riding off the coattails of the two greatest shooters ever. And like I said, I still think he was an integral part of the defense, of the ball movement thing. He was very bought into the system, and he made other guys buy into that system. But... He's riding off the coattails of the first unanimous MVP in Steph Curry, and then the second greatest shooter of all time in Klay Thompson. And then he happened to get the second best player in the league at the time on his team in Kevin Durant. He's riding off coattails of guys that are absolute superstars, and he's just, eh. 
you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from him. But if we're being honest, Draymond Green is Robert Ory. You know, he happened to be put in a good situation, and he came through when his number was called and times came upon. That's who I consider Draymond Green as. He's Robert Ory. He's lucky. He got to play with such great teams with Kobe and the Shaq with the Lakers and, and being on the Spurs. Very lucky. He's won seven championships, Robert Ory. Draymond's won four. It's a very similar role. Draymond does what he's asked to do, and that's what he does. He plays decent defense, and he moves the ball around and sets screens and does a lot of non-stat things. But I, I just do not think that Draymond Green is anywhere in the same breath as guys like Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. And for him to you know, say that they revolutionized basketball and him and Steph would destroy Shaq in the pick and roll. Oh, if Kobe is guarding Steph and you're running the pick and roll against those two, that's, that's getting shut down. Shaq and Kobe are shutting that down. They're running train on you. Shaq would absolutely obliterate Draymond Green in the post-up game. And Draymond can foul all he wants. Oh, force him to the free throw. Okay, you foul out. Okay, your night's done. Like, it, w- it would be a long night for Draymond Green if he had to go up against Shaq Diesel. So, uh, I just, Draymond has just been doing a lot of talking, and now's a good time to do a lot of talking. There's not a lot going on. So, speak your mind. Say how you feel. And, you know, he frankly, he's doing too much talking because it's been absolute nonsense that has been spewing out of his mouth. But I'll give him credit to his credit. Defensive player of the year, four-time champion. He's been an all-star a few times, you know. Draymond's done some good things, but come on, guy. Come on. You're riding off the coattails of the first unanimous MVP in league history and a, the second greatest shooter ever, another Hall of Famer in Iguodala, and one of the best players in the league, Kevin Durant. You're riding off their coattails. You're, it's just... Mm, 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 mm. Anyways... Moving on, topic number three that I want to get to. And this is about, interesting enough, a player that Draymond Green, uh, that Kevin Durant actually left Draymond Green for. And his name is Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. So big thing with the Nets, Tyron Liu, um is interested in the Nets head coaching job after they let go of Kenny Atkins. And uh, to team back up with Kyrie Irving would be interesting. Lou with Kyrie again would be very, very interesting. And I think that's going to be a big thing for this Nets team moving forward is Durant and Kyrie have to love the coach that come in. And I think Lou gets respect because he won a championship. Kyrie will vouch for him. So Kevin should be able to follow suit and actually like this coach because apparently he didn't like Kenny Atkinson at all. Kyrie and Durant did not buy into what Atkinson was preaching. And, um, I think it would be a good situation for Lou, and I think it would be good for Kyrie to have a familiar face, someone he's won with, someone he knows have has championship experience. Um, you know, Lou is currently an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers, and he last coached Kyrie with the Cleveland Cavaliers when they, uh, you know, won that those cha- won that championship and then played the next year. But um, gosh, it's um. I think it would be a good pickup, and I'm sure Kyrie would be thrilled about it. You know, Lou, obviously, if you're a coach in the NBA, the dream is to be a head coach. 
You want to be leading the team. You want to be the one coming up with the schemes and choosing how to run things and making things happen. You know, it's just, there's just levels to it, and that's what he wants to do. And the Nets, the Nets need a big-time name. I think Lou would be a good choice, but I think the better choice would be Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson deserves another chance to coach in this league. I think he really built the Warriors into knowing what they're capable of and knowing what to do. And Steve Kerr having to just, you know, put it all together. He came in in the year to really, you know, put things, you know, all together. But Mark Jackson was the one who really solved that puzzle and saw how they could work. Yeah, they underachieved his last year, losing in the first round of the playoffs. But I think Mark Jackson laid the foundation for them to be great, and Steve Kerr just exemplified that. So I really think Mark Jackson deserves another chance to coach, and I think the Nets would be a good fit for him. And I think, you know, guys believe that he's a good coach. You know, he's got good pedigree, and, uh, yeah, he's a great announcer. Love listening to you know, the three of them of Jackson, Van Gundy, and Breen making the call. Really miss those days of when we could listen to it. And, you know, the pandemic has only been going for 40 days now. But, gosh, miss those guys on the call. And I think it would just be – I think those would be – those are the two guys, I think, that are in the in the running for that Nets job is Mark Jackson and Tyron Lou. And, uh, you know, Lou has shown that he can win championships. Kyrie knows it. Durant would get behind it. I think this would be a good pickup. Put the Nets in the right direction. You know, they kind of have taken a step back this year after uh, having a pretty solid year with D'Angelo Russell and a lot of just scrappy guys. But, you know, that's what happens when Durant doesn't play this year. Kyrie's hurt for a lot of it. But it was interesting. The Nets were better with Kyrie off the floor. So it'll be interesting to see how the Nets move forward, but I'm thinking Mark Jackson, Tyron Lou, take your pick. At the end of the day, it's probably going to be Lou because, you know, he has the championship and Mark Jackson doesn't, but I think Mark Jackson would be a really solid choice. Anyway, moving on, topic number four that I want to get to is I've seen a bunch of different things with the MLB planning to come back. You know, I mentioned it in a previous episode on how they were considering doing the Grapefruit League in the Arizona League to return. But now I'm hearing some different reports and some different things that could happen. And uh, it's very exciting what could possibly be happening. Is uh, They've considered doing three divisions. And uh, I kind of like this three divisions idea more than the Grapefruit League and Arizona League idea. Only because it, it would consolidate travel. You could still be playing in your stadium with no fans, unfortunately, but maybe, you know, down the road we could see limited fans or however, you know, measures decide to be taken to allow something like that to happen. But anyways, the biggest thing is just getting them back on the field and being healthy. But um, Major League Baseball has apparently been um, cautiously optimistic is what the words have been around the water cooler Um but they said that the se- they'd like to start the season in late June and no later than July 2nd, playing at least 100 regular season games. And that's according to three executives with knowledge of the talks. And, uh, you know, that, that's big time to at least be playing 100 games. And um, the three divisions idea, so it would be um, 
three divisions, 10 team plan. Um, teams play only within their division, a concept that's gaining support among owner and executives. Um, it would abolish the traditional uh, National League and American League. So it would be interesting to see what they do from a rule standpoint and they just implement DHs all around or how they decide to use pitchers when it comes to hitting or if they still stick with the National League and American League rules depending on the ballpark they're playing in. I think that's the most interesting thing is the the rule thing, but obviously we got to keep these guys healthy, keep them safe. So, um, you know, the plan pending approval of medical experts provided that the COVID nineteen testing is available to the public. Um, you know, that would eliminate need for players to be in isolation, allow them to still play games at their home park. Um, it would severely reduce travel since they're just playing teams in their division. And uh, I got a little. I'll give you the rundown of what the teams would be and they they do look pretty interesting and uh, we'll start with the east division so we got the boston red sox the new york yankees the new york mets the philadelphia phillies the tampa bay rays the baltimore orioles the washington nationals the toronto blue jays the miami marlins and the pittsburgh pirates that's the east division and uh you know so pretty much kind of combining the um AL East with uh, NL East a little bit and then throwing the Pirates in there so <laughs> kind of an interesting little layout right there but I that works well obviously because they know what they're doing you know they're really trying to figure out a way to do this and I think that's you know the right teams that should be there and then we got in the Central Division, my Chicago Cubs. Here we go. Go Cubs, go. And then we got the Chicago White Sox, Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Indians, Milwaukee Brewers, Atlanta Braves, Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, and St. Louis Cardinals. And, uh, you know, the, the Braves could go either direction. They could be in the Eastern Division, but I think it breaks up well with them being in the Central. Um, but, you know, that's it's a nice it's an open division for the Cubs. I say that gives the Cubs a great chance to look real solid if they get to play the Royals and the, and the Tigers. I'll tell you that. That would be real nice to play those teams. But that's a, it's kind of broken up nice. You know, the Twins were a playoff team. Braves were a playoff team. Brewers were right there at the end. Um, you know, White Sox, are I think, are going to be good this year. I think um, Cleveland can turn it around a little bit. The Reds are supposed to be on the come up this year. So, And the Cardinals could be right there, too. So I think that that could be the toughest one of all three of them. But anyways, to the West Division would be the Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, the Houston Asterix, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Oakland Athletics, San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants, Seattle Mariners, Texas Rangers. So, you know, I'm confident in that statement. I say, looking at it, mm, 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 mm. actually, you know, it could go either way, but I would say that Central Division is probably the toughest one because Marlins, Pirates, and Orioles are so bad. You know, Blue Jays aren't going to be that great either. You know, the Mets are the Mets, and, uh, you know, Philly's under a cheap, but, you know, it's top-heavy right there with uh, Washington, New York. Boston could be good. Rays could still be good. That West Division, you know, really, Angels could turn her around this year. Dodgers are, Dodgers would run away with it, I think. They'd run away with that, getting to play the Giants, the, whew, the Rangers and the Mariners. 
Ooh, even the Rockies and the Diamondbacks aren't that great. Houston Asterix hope they're not very good, but I would say of all these divisions, the Central would be the best division, the most competitive one anyways. Definitely the most competitive one, but it'd be very interesting. I'd love to see 100 games between us. I'd like this layout. I'd just be very interested to see how they do the rules. How are they going to handle the rules with this? And I haven't really seen any reports like that because obviously they're in the preliminary stage of just figuring out how they can really play the games and make things happen. So praise the Lord. Let's hope they can figure something out and we can see sports again in the future. Topic number five that I want to get to. If I talked about the MLB's plan a little to return, let's talk about the NBA plan. A lot of things circling around. You know, today... There was a report that executives and scouts are calling upon league officials to cancel the season. That report came out, and then all of a sudden, LeBron James happens to tweet that he's heard no such reports from people that he's talked to, and no one's talked about canceling the season, and no one wants to do that. And I would agree with LeBron. Why would they even? I would imagine that's coming from teams that are already out of it the teams aren't even in contention it just i don't know why they wouldn't try to salvage the season especially you think about it the finals go till june i think it's okay if they have the whole month of may to figure it out and then games hopefully would start up back in june and they play into maybe july august september and then they just start next season a little later and they start the season in december having opening night even on Christmas Day. I know that the idea has been floated out there before. I'm not the first one. But the plan that I've seen of the newest one of a possible place to play, and this is a interesting little headline, that the NBA wants to finish its 2019-2020 season, and one of the possibilities for completing the season has come Disney World here in Orlando, Florida, to be specific, Lake Buena Vista, Florida. But, gosh, wouldn't that be something? Have it in one location, you know, and I understand it, of why they would consider it, you know, avoid the issues of, you know, having to go from state to state. Everyone's in a confined area. You can really monitor the players and making sure they're keeping social distance from, uh, you know, the fans and, staying away from people and really confining them, make sure they're getting tested all the time. It it would make sense for it to be easy. It would be easier for them to do it in one location. And Disney World is an option. You know, they have a lot of hotels for the, you know, teams to stay at. They have ESPN Y World of Sports, so they do have the facilities available to them. I'm sure if they needed to build courts, they could build more of them, but there's a lot of space over there at that ESPN Y World of Sports. They could for sure take up one of the resorts, if not a couple of the resorts, uh, factoring in all the players, coaches, and personnel and the critical staff. You know, you could really cut down staffs, but, you know, obviously you need the medical teams, and that'd be a good place to do it. You know, it's a confined area. You know, there's, like I said, hotels, places for them to stay. Um, you know, the biodome solution, biodome concept. And uh, I kind of like the idea. Uh, I, for, I just want there to be, I want to be able to go to the game. But, you know, if we have to watch it on TV, that's the next best thing. I just like, here's the exact quote from LeBlanc. Saw 
of from LeBron. Saw some reports about execs and agents wanting to cancel the season. That's absolutely not true. Nobody I know saying anything like that. As soon as it's safe, we'd like to finish our season. I'm ready and our team is ready. Nobody should be canceling anything. And then a little while later, Rick Buecher tweeted that he got off a call with the uh, NBA president of each team, and he said that that they want to finish the season. Like, they want to get the season done. You know, the playoffs are supposed to be going on right now. It's, you know, really unfortunate that they're not, but, you know, it, it that is what it is. But they definitely want to finish the season. That's one place they could make it happen. And uh, I like the idea of it being at Disney. You know, I live here in Orlando, so it'd be cool to know that they're right down the street. Just let me watch it. As long as I'm able to view it via my TV, internet, however it's capable for me to watch it, just allow me to watch. I don't care about anything else. Just let me be able to view how it unfolds because I, I got to know. It's got to come back. And um, what they're saying as far as getting the league back started is a proposed 25-day program for players to go through before they resume play. And uh, under the plan, players would go through an 11-day stretch of individual workouts in which they could maintain some measure of social distancing while ramping up training and, and the activity. Then, if permitted by medical officials, the idea would allow for a two-week training camp with entire teams participating. So, as of right now in Florida, they're going to open the facilities uh, tomorrow, May 1st. And now they've said that no more than four players can be in there with one coach. And uh, they have to wear masks um, when they're just in there hanging out and not doing physical activity. So they're opening up the NBA facilities here in Florida. But, you know, it's not going to be whole team practices. I'm sure it's just going to be guys getting individual work who happens to still be around. And, uh, you know, I just really hope it can come back. So that's why I'm sure Disney World has been discussed because it's in Florida. Florida's trying to reopen. You know, they're going through phase one reopen right now. And it's just a matter of time before things really start moving forward and we actually start opening business and everything like that. So it's just it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this unfolds. I'm really looking forward to it because... Once sport, once one sport starts back up, they're all gonna start back up, and and I'm excited. Please, I understand we gotta keep people healthy, keep them safe, but please, we need sports back. We need it. We can't be watching things from the past and enjoying it as much as we are. We need new, up-to-date sports content. Please. Bring back live sports as soon as you can, but keep everyone healthy, of course. And those are the five topics I wanted to get to today. Unpopular opinion for today. And I got to tell you, it's well, it's kind of sports related. It doesn't have to do with anything on the court, but when it comes to this, uh, I think cigars are overrated. I really do. I don't think they're that great. Matter of fact, I would go as far as to say as I think cigars are awful. And here's why I think that. First of all, I'm not going to get into the complications of smoking and the thousands of people each year that die from various cancers caused by inhaling smoke. And, you know, your cigar smokers will be like, well, you don't inhale cigar smoke. You know, you just let it sit in your mouth and taste it and get the enjoyment out of that bullshit. I've smoked cigars. 
you will inhale a little bit of it no matter what. And it tastes awful. It is horrible. It is not a good taste. And, I, and I've had Cuban cigars. I've had the supposed good ones. And they are not that good. It, it's like smoking a chicken bone, as Seinfeld would put it. It just does not taste great. It tastes bad. It makes you dehydrated as fuck. Yeah, it gives you a little buzz for a little while. But you smoke too much, you get dizzy. Oh, you get the spins. And when I did it when I was a little younger, obviously over the age of 18. But I got the spins and, you know, I've smoked them after that. But they just don't taste good. Your mouth feels like the Sahara Desert after smoking it. It just... I don't see why people are a big fan of cigars. I understand for, you know, celebratory... It's, oh, celebratory cigar. It's like, God, wouldn't you rather, like, enjoy something that, like, tastes good and, you know, is pleasurable? But I, there is no such pleasure you get from smoking a cigar. It just... They don't taste good. You know, you reek after. You just smell like absolute crap... It, they don't taste good. I can't harp on that enough. I just think they taste awful. You know, smoke is bad for you in general, but that that's a whole nother thing that I don't even think matters in this discussion. It just, I guess cigars are overrated. No one can tell me otherwise. I don't think they're that good. I'll never be a big fan of cigars. Uh, overrated. Cigars are overrated and not that great. And that is my unpopular opinion of the day. Anyways, that's the end of episode 9 of Hang Time with Helgi. Uh, stay tuned, more episodes on the way. And uh, during this pandemic, just remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your damn hands.